Good evening and welcome to El Osa Fumar Takes. This is our 181st take live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studios of Euless, Texas. I'm your host, Barry Duplissy, as always, and I'm so proud, so pleased, and so privileged to be with you all tonight. This is going to be a fantastic show. Second time is the charm, my friends. This is going to be something you will not want to miss. I'm so excited to finally have this gentleman on my show tonight. This is one you will certainly will certainly remember for a long time to come but before we get to formal introductions of my guests of honor we do have to thank the people that make this show possible and that of course is our sponsors tonight's show is sponsored by drew estate fortunately everyone has heard the news that drew estate has announced the cancellation of all remaining in-person live events for 2021 including DE25. It'll be postponed to another date in 2022, so stay tuned to details for that. In the meantime, enjoy some of the latest releases from Drew Estate, like the Underground 10, commemorating a decade of dedication to Underground fans. Drew Estate is commemorating 10 years of Underground with the global release of Underground 10, a bold new ultra-premium addition to Underground's current premium lineup of Maduro Shade and Sungrown Expressions. To celebrate the brand's 10th anniversary in 2021, Drew Estate is getting all decked out, a tagline that denotes Undercrown 10's excellent, pack, uh, elegant packaging and reinforces the pride of Undercrown's 10 years of excellence. So check out your Drew Diplomat retailers and all retailers that carry Drew Estate for your Undercrown 10 today. And it is my pleasure, everyone, to welcome you to our 181st take tonight. So without further ado, it is my honor to welcome in tonight's guest, sponsored by United Cigars. Smoke one tonight and start living united. Mr. Ram Rodriguez of El Artista Cigars. Ram, how are you doing tonight, my friend? All good, Barry. All good. Very happy to be here. Thank you very much. I'm I'm the one that is honored to be in this. In this, I'm, I I I'm humble. I'm humbled by that remark, Ram. I'm I'm really excited about having you on the show. I'm 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 my only, my only, uh, my only apology is that it it took 181 times to get you on to the show. So I <laughs> I, I I appreciate. Uh, I appreciate your willingness to be a guest tonight. And this was the second time's a charm, you know, schedules. Uh, we had something scheduled previously, but you know what, you know, things, things happen. And uh, I'm just so glad that we were able to get you on so quickly afterwards, you know, and, uh, and it, gosh, it's so good to have you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Thank you, man. Well, I mean, without for, first things first here, Ram, I, you know, we got to talk about what we're smoking tonight. Cause I'm, 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 I'm super excited. This might be the most excited I've ever been for a cigar. That's considered a quote unquote valued cigar, but so many people have been talking so many good things about this. And I wanted to save this for tonight's show. So uh, why don't you do introductions, my friend? What are we lighting up tonight? So tonight we're smoking the Buffalo 10 Connecticut, which is the third addition to the Buffalo 10 line. I'm very happy and excited about it. Uh, and it's just been amazing, you know, uh, how well uh, uh, the previous uh, Buffalo 10, the Maduro and the, and the Natural, uh, was received by, by the smoker community all around the world. And I hope uh, this one uh, as well uh, becomes one of, of everybody's favorite cigar. Uh, is a cigar that uh, we create basically uh, trying to have a, a smoke that with a lot of value and a, at a very affordable price point. And uh, this one in particular, uh, honestly, I think it was uh, the biggest challenge out of the three, uh, mainly because the main characteristics on the Buffalo 10 line 
uh, is sweet and floral notes. And everybody knows Connecticut, it tends to be a little bit bitter. Uh, it's kind of the natural taste of, of that kind of wrapper. So it was quite a challenge. Uh, I think we were able to achieve it um, by using a Cameroon binder. Uh, African Cameroon uh, is a very interesting uh, tobacco to work with. Uh, this is actually one of the first cigars that I've ever blend using Cameroon. And I'm very happy with the results. I mean, I've heard nothing but like incredible praise for this cigar. Uh, and th- like I said, not let's not forget, and I, you know, it, that moniker of value brand kind of gets gets tossed around, you know, like 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 it should always like be expected to be less than fantastic if it's like beyond, like if it's below a certain price point almost. But I've had some really good value brands, and uh, including the including the other Buffalo Ten, I've I've smoked the other two, the the natural and the Maduro, and I, I've, I've really enjoyed them. Um, when you, when you first started, I know we, uh, you and I've talked about this in other, in other places before about this particular thing, but for my audience tonight with the Buffalo 10, specifically the brand, like when you first started with the, the natural was the first release, correct? The Maduro was the first one. The Maduro. I apologize. I knew that. I apologize. Like when you first went to putting that project together, I know you really liked like the name because the idea was originally to put them in 10 packs, but you guys really liked yes. them in the five. Yes, that's correct. So with this blend, we already had the name. We kind of did everything uh, backwards. Like the way the factory usually works is that uh, uh, first we work the blend and then we you know, start working with the name and the branding and everything. Uh, this time we kind of did it uh, on the opposite way. Uh, we already had the name. We already have an idea of the concept and, and the packaging. We still didn't have the cigar. Uh, we were blending and blending and blending, and it was quite a big challenge, you know, because, again, you know, we are we were looking for having an extended smoke at a very good price point. So I really need to be uh, very smart on, on the, the tobaccos uh, I use for the blend. Uh at the end, uh, we end up with, with uh, a Toro box press. It, the Maduro was the, the first one. And we start working with the packaging. And, you know, like, yeah, it looks nice, that 10-pack. But at the end, we did one, like a five-pack. And we were like, oh, my God, like, this is beautiful. This, this is the way that it should be. But we're keeping the name just because we like, you know, like, it is what it is. <laughs> I, I really liked it. Um, I really liked the name. And it, like, even before I knew really too much about your story, Rim, or too much about your cigars, what I really liked, like, uh, we'll get into this a little bit later. And in the advertisement for tonight's show, I said that, you know, your relationship with uh, with uh, Big Poppy may have put you guys on the map, but you guys are building a tremendous foundation of incredible cigars. You have a storied history. There's so much more than that relationship uh and and you as you know i'm a huge david ortiz fan so it's kind of hard not to (laughs) to ignore that but there's so much there's so much to your family and so much to el artista um but the thing i liked in particular um about buffalo tan and about cimarron and everything it had uh it reminded me and I, i know this wasn't necessarily intentional by you guys but it reminded me of like the westerns that i used to watch 
with my show, with my dad growing up when I was a kid, you know, the, just the names kind of reminded me of like the old West almost. I know that's not what you're going for, but it just kind of reminded me of that. Uh, and so it always takes me back to whenever I think about you guys or I smoke your cigars, it always kind of takes me back to, to good times with my father, even though cigars were involved with it. It's, it's kind of funny yeah. that way. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Cimarron uh, actually is a very uh, old brand that we had since the 90s. Um, I reblended and rebranded uh, not so around five or six years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, but like the Cimarron region uh, is very famous for, you know, the those were the new territories, the no man's no man lands uh, during those a wild wild west day so so you know there is a little bit of relationship uh, uh, with that work western life i guess oh absolutely so the um are 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 there any designs on expanding the buffalo 10 any further or the three that you have right now is that kind of going to become the staple foundation for for buffalo 10 well, right now, I believe this is going to be the staple foundation, but uh, honestly, I'm not 100% sure of whether we're going to do something different in the future or not. Uh, I'm basically, you know, enjoying the ride and, and see where, where it takes us. Uh, but for now, for next year, we don't have any, we have three years already releasing, uh, you know, first the Maduro, then the Natural, and now the Connecticut. For next year, I, I don't think there will be a new Buffalo 10. Okay. Well, um, I'm I'm gonna continue smoking this. So so far, uh, just a couple puffs into this, it's 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 uh it's absolutely terrific. Now, there's something different uh, between the Connecticut on this cigar and the Connecticut on the Exactus, another one of your brands, uh, correct? So this is actually the same one as the Exactus. The Exactus uh, use Connecticut from Ecuador. Okay. Uh, but the Cimarron has a, the Connecticut is grown in Honduras, which, which is a little bit different. Yes, the, the one from Honduras, uh, is the, the leaf is usually a little bit thicker, uh, a little bit more intense, but not as bitter as the one from Connecticut. So there is a little bit of difference. The, uh, and are these, because I know you have farms in both the Dominican and Ecuador. Uh, is the wrapper from one of your farms or? Yes, this wrapper is from, from our farms over there. The ones we have in, uh, in a small town called Ventana, uh, which is like 15 miles from uh, Quevedo, which is the tobacco area over there. Okay. Awesome. Well, I'm really looking forward to continuing to smoke this, Ram. Uh, and thank you. Uh, you were the you were the gentleman who... Uh, who gave this to me at this year's trade show. So I'm, I was really looking forward to, to, to tonight. I knew we had had, uh, we had preliminarily made plans for a show that uh, when we met up at the trade show. And so I was like, I'm going to save this cigar. Uh, and everyone's been raving about it. So I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm pleased <laughs> to light it up with you tonight. So, um, so I, I, uh, we kind of got things kicked off with the cigar and everything. I, I usually kind of start things off with a little bit of an icebreaker and everything. Um, and so I, I was kind of reminded, uh, we kind of chuckled about it before we started the show tonight. Um, but I was kind of reminded of the, the first, the first conversation you and I had when I was uh, interviewing you on uh, cigar coop primetime special edition with, uh, with, with uh, William Cooper. And, uh, and we were talking about, that was just, I think uh, COVID had just started really, uh, I mean, we were kind of about two or three months into it. It felt like an eternity at that point, but it was only like yep. two or three months at that point. <laughs> uh, 
And uh, I think one of the, the question that I, one of the questions that I brought up was if, okay, so if COVID hadn't happened, like if, if there was no pandemic, um, you know, would, would the Netflix, like the Netflix uh, series Tiger King be a thing? And uh, you, we all, we had that discussion and everything. And you, um, you said that you, you had heard it. I mean, it was so big. You had heard it from one of your friends in like, I believe it was like Norway or Sweden had yeah. told you about it. And, and uh, oh man, I just, it's just crazy and everything. So, so to my, tonight's icebreaker question was, did, um, did you ever, did you ever watch it? Did you ever watch Tiger King? Oh yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, st- I still never did. It still never have. It's like, <laughs> I, I feel sometimes I feel like with like pop culture, like things that are like super popular, like I just I have like this resistance to him, like like I'm this old man, like like get off my lawn. Kind of thing. Like, I don't know yeah. why. <laughs> I, I mean, it looks entertaining. I have no like moral objection to it necessarily, um, but it, it was just kind of one of those things or anything is has there been um, again, like this has been over a year now. I mean, has there was there any other like I mean, I know how incredibly busy you are. Uh, but I mean, has there ever, has there been any other like Netflix shows or streaming shows or, uh, documentaries that you've gotten into? Cause I know you're a big reader too. So I don't know how much actually time you get spent and, uh, spent in front of the TV. So honestly, I haven't got a lot of time either on the TV or even reading books. Uh, it's been just a crazy year. Uh, I've been watching the formula one a documentary on, on, on Netflix, which for people that like Formula One, it's incredible, uh, but nothing else. But if you haven't seen Tiger King and your shoe, like, honestly, it's just crazy. Honestly, I used to watch it, Googling everything to see if was that was actually truth or, or just something they had to make it funny or something like that. It's just unbelievable, man. <laughs> At first, I, I I thought it was not a documentary. That was like a mockumentary, you know, those kind of... Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought at first. I was like, oh, this is hilarious, but there's no way this can be true, you know? There's no people that crazy in the world. <laughs> it, it's it's really funny sometimes the... the, 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 the well, there, I mean, there's a lot of things like worlds that I pop into that, that I have no familiarity with. And Formula is one. Formula One is one of these in particular. I'm a racing fan, but I'm more of a more of a NASCAR guy. I never really got into a lot of, uh, of F1 or anything like that, but I I've seen parts of this and yeah, it's, I mean, they're, I mean, they're, they're just insane personalities. I mean, and and we're in the cigar industry and there's some, there's some pretty loud personalities, (laughs) but I mean, nothing, nothing like that whatsoever. Mm -mm. But, um, Nope. So I know that something, I know that something else happened, uh, since the last time we talked and it, uh, and uh, I know you were you were expecting uh, you were expecting a new addition to the uh, uh, the Rodriguez family and everything. So uh, I actually I'm terrible that I didn't even ask you about this at the trade show. How how's that going? Well, uh, his name is Gael and he's one year old already. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons why I haven't had any time to watch TV or or read anything. Honestly, I, I just work and be with my kid lately. It's just crazy. But I'm a very happy cigar smoker and that now 
this is how much time has passed. So like I interviewed you, uh, it was a little bit over a year ago. Uh, like I said, it was just like three months into COVID and I knew we, we, we knew you were expecting. So, so your son Gael's only already a year old. Oh my goodness. That's crazy. Oh yeah, <laughs> it is. It really is. So is his birthday in July or? Uh, in August, August the 12th. Oh, okay. So, so it just happened. Just happened. Okay. Yeah. 10 days ago. Oh, okay. Fantastic. Well, <laughs> thank you so much for, uh, for uh, doing the show amongst uh, the celebration of the first birthday because this is your first this is your first child right yeah this is my first child oh man uh i i remember those days and uh it, man it's it it's i mean it it passes in a blink of an eye i know this last year has probably been like that way for you like how, how is he a year yep. old already right yep i see him doing things like a kid basically you know like he's not just a little baby that cannot do anything by by himself you know now he doesn't he wants to be in the floor running uh, all over the place and he knows how to say some words and i'm like how did this happen you know it's just crazy <laughs> now like i i know one of the weirdest things about you know having a kid that young is the fact that they start showing like personality and stuff and it's just kind of weird do you think he like do you, does he like take more after your take more after his mother or does he take more after you uh so the good things uh he's taking it out of of, of mom the not so very good things out of me that kid had an, has an attitude man <laughs> you know like like very strong personality you know my way or the highway <laughs> It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. I have a, my, my youngest is, is about to be two. And it's like, yeah, I know what you're talking about because he's, he's very, he lets you know when he's upset and it's, it's, it's pretty intense sometimes. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> but, uh, Graham, I really, like I said, I really appreciate you sitting down with me tonight and having this conversation. I, it's like I said, your story and your family story is something that I've, uh, I've been fascinated with for, for quite some time um and it's it, it's one that's of three generations deep so it, so without uh without any further delay let's go ahead and get into tonight's major point and tonight's major point is that is uh, always sponsored by uh protocol cigars power of the p tonight's major point is brought to you by the people cigar people the people who know everything about a lifetime of service protocol cigars is more than just pool parties and good times well Maybe it is, but behind the fun is motivation for service, motivation for giving back from the original protocol blue to the latest release in the lawman series, Bass Reeves protocol has always been about honor, passion, and yes, the people it's what their life's work has always been and always will be power of the P protocol cigars. Now, Ram, uh, I mentioned that the, your family's history in tobacco and cigars goes back three generations El Artista cigar started in 1956, but it wasn't El Artista back then. It was it was it was went by a different name, correct? Yes, that's correct. So when your grandfather started this business, what what uh, what did that look like? We'll get into what it turned into today, but what did that look like in 1956 for your grandfather? Well, so in in the 50s, uh, we will still be ruled by. Uh, a tyrant in the in the country Trujillo, so I'm pretty sure it was very different or of things now. Um, we had a very very small economy, and yeah, and I mean we were probably like, like how few we 
we see Cuba now, you know, like a very little bit behind in, in economy and, and things. Uh, my grandfather uh, decided to, to venture and, and open a small cigar shop. Uh, basically on the island, there were like not even cigarettes was a, was a thing, you know? Uh, everybody used to smoke this kind of cigars. Uh, we call it perritos. Uh, the perritos looks all, uh, very similar to our chiroots. They are made to be foggy, a little bit like that. And he opened a little factory uh, to make cigars and those little perritos to sell in the local market. Yep. Yeah. Yep, exactly. So uh, to sell in the local market in Tamboril, uh, my, my hometown. Uh, it was just like that, uh, uh, but in the, in the 70s, uh, he started selling more in the region until the late 70s that we were basically selling nationwide. Uh, my grandfather got sick and my father took control of the operations uh, in 1984. And in that moment, you know, things were different. Uh, we didn't have the dictator anymore. Uh, uh, we actually killed him in the 60s. And uh, you know, the economy was booming. Uh, cigarettes uh, were becoming a more popular things, leaving behind those perritos. So things were not the same, you know, the uh, cigar industry in the Dominican Republic was basically dying. Uh, then in the nineties, you know, the cigar boom came and things changed immediately. Uh, we start say, uh, that's when we decided to change the name of the company. Uh, and to start uh, exporting our products instead of just focusing here in, in, in the local market. Our previous uh, name was Tabacalera Puro Cibao, by the way. And in the 90s, uh, El Artista uh, was born. Uh, my father opened a, a cigar shop in Queens, in New York. And he was traveling back and forward, uh, going to the RTDAs of the time and, and doing events all over the place. And after the boom, you know, things uh, slowed down a little bit. Uh, but in that time, we were also selling in, in, in Europe. Uh, uh, we did a, a joint venture to open a distributor called Hispano Europeas de Tabaco in Madrid, Spain. Uh, happening all this at the same time, like uh, one of uh, my, my grandfather was a farmer, so he used to grow his own tobacco as well. And we kept the tradition. My father, uh, it's continued growing and uh, using uh, his own tobacco, uh, also doing a little bit of tobacco trading. And during the boom, when things became a little bit harder because, you know, there was not enough tobacco to, to fulfill the market, uh, uh, he was able uh, uh, to make some good business, uh, mainly buying tobacco from, from the States, a Connecticut a wrapper and reselling it here and that was pretty big it, then in in the uh, early 2000s uh, we start positioning ourselves uh, better and better and that's when he starts uh, doing a lot of trading in ecuador as well uh in 2008 or 2009 i think it was is when we established a business over there in ecuador and uh, you know, focus a little bit more on that side of, of the industry. Uh, 
Other than that, like nowadays, uh, we manufacture uh, a little bit more than 9 million cigars every year. And uh, on the tobacco side, uh, we are probably the biggest leaf globe grower here in the Dominican Republic. Uh, we grow around 2,500 uh, hectares of tobacco uh, here and another 600 in, in Ecuador. Uh, we have a manufacturing operations in Tamboril, our hometown, uh, also in Moca, which is uh, the town next door, and uh, Salcedo and in, and in La Vega. Uh, two uh, cigar factories, the one in Tamboril and a, a brand new one in La Vega. And you can find our products not only in the States, but uh, in, in Europe, uh, some parts of Asia, Canada and so on other parts of, of Central uh, Latin America as well. It just goes to show you like how much has changed in a year. You said you guys do nine million cigars now. You're up to nine million. Yes. So it was seven point five when we talked last year. That's yes. Incredible. So it you know after we talked, you know the factory was closed when, when we were when we talked right. in that moment. I remember. Uh, yeah, last year uh, versus uh, 2019, uh, we increased almost a million additional cigars. And this year is growing even faster. Uh, I already uh, export uh, to the States uh, during this period from, from January to August more than what I did last year. And same for Europe as well. Yeah, it's just crazy, you know. I don't know if it was COVID or, or what happened, but, uh, you know, this is a very good time to be in this beautiful industry. So you had a shutdown and you still manufactured 1.5 million more cigars. That's incredible. Yes, uh, so that's including the new factory as well, because uh, I don't know if you have heard the lack of, of a labor force that we're struggling with here. Mm -hmm. uh, that's one of the main reasons we decide to go out of the traditional uh, a cigar manufacturing area. Uh, we build a school and in that factory right now, uh, we have in total around 350 uh, new people that we trained from scratch. Uh, not only for cigar making, but also on the sorting area, like the, the sorting the tobacco. So, so when you say a school, it's a school for like to learn the cigar industry, or is this like yeah, a yeah. Okay. oh wow yeah, okay yes. yeah yeah. So we did that. Uh, the government is actually helping uh, a lot uh, the industry because of the lack of of, of uh, people with the knowledge, the right knowledge. The Dominican Tobacco Institute, and there's this uh, a college here, it's called Infotep, which is government-owned, uh, that they are also providing instructors. Uh, it's like a technician school. Uh, they are providing instructors who, that they go to uh, the factories uh, to teach people. That's incredible. I mean, that's, I mean, what, man, I mean, what, what a, what, you know, what a pivot for you guys to make on that. I mean, you saw that the labor force was short and to do such a quick turnaround like that and to get cooperation from the government uh, to help out in this effort. I mean, that's, I mean, that's just, that's just really, that's really awesome. Um, so, I mean, I mean, how long does those do? I mean, I mean, obviously different, different courses, different tasks, different jobs take a certain amount of time to learn. 
like what's you know like are have you had graduation i'm i'm sorry i'm 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 really just this yeah. is really exciting i mean have you so, had graduation classes yet i mean how how is it how's it going so we don't so it's like there's no like a formal graduation or anything like that they do get a certificate mm -hmm. uh from infotep uh as you know like that they are they know how to make cigars basically and they know how to sort tobacco uh, but we already on the sorting side uh, uh, the way that we are doing it is uh, we've got this very big warehouse uh, in La Vega. So uh, the setup we have, the layout is uh, in every uh, table, in one table around, I think it's 75. The, uh, the amount of, of persons that can be in that table is a very, very long one. Uh, working with the, the tobacco sorting, uh, we started with one and uh, with one group, so 75 people. And when they were ready, uh, we set up another line uh, with 75 more. And that's how we, we've been going. Uh, uh, right now, uh, we have two. And um, uh, two that are already like officially working and one line that is learning uh, 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 right now. Uh, it takes them around three to four, four months in order for them, you know, to be able to know how to properly sort uh, tobaccos for fillers. A wrapper, we still haven't done it in, uh, like, in, as a teaching new people to sort wrapper, uh, but I'm pretty sure that's going to take a little bit more than, than that amount of time. On the cigar part, uh, in our school, uh, Basically, they start making Corona because, because like smaller ringage and short cigars are usually easier to roll. And it takes that takes a little bit longer. So right now, uh, the oldest group has around six to seven months, more or less. And they are already making value cigars. And, uh, you know, but they still need to continue in order uh, for them to make premiums, which is the goal at the end. Uh, that usually happens naturally in a factory. Usually there's a new kid that wants to learn and we put them in the back of the galera where he's basically learning and then he you know, starts moving to the front. Usually in the factories, the front tables are the best rollers and that's kind of the dream. Over there, we start with from scratch with everybody. And uh, we have a, a very good group of instructors uh, that are help, helping them to to achieve that goal. I, I have to imagine that going to work for El Artista is challenging because, I mean, you guys manufacture, I mean, not just El Artista cigars. We talked about this before. El Artista makes up about, if I'm not mistaken, Ram, it's about a, th a quarter to a third of the actual total production of the factory. Is that correct? Uh, like the cigar manufacturing side? You, you yeah, mean? like, like El, your, your brands, like, the Big Poppy, the Buffalo 10, the Cimarron, uh, the Fugly, the Pirosi. About a third. About a yeah. third? Okay. But yeah. you but you manufacture like a whole different other, I mean, you do Toscano style. I mean, you have, I mean, there are tons of different styles of, of, of rolling. That's got that's to gotta be a challenge in itself, not only training these people, but also, again, like you said, finding them to be able to do so many different types of touches. Oh, yeah. so, I and it takes a, a, a while, you know, like, for example, you need a, a roller with a lot of experience to do the pigtail, for example. 
and even a torpedo. You know, I'm pretty sure if I bring a project to La Vega uh, for torpedoes, it's gonna take them a while to get used to, you know, smaller head and, and, and all of that. Uh, yeah, the Toscano is probably a little bit easier. It will be a little bit easier for them, but even short fillers, you know, we also do a medium fillers, Cuban sandwich cigars, and we still haven't teach that, uh, 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 on that new factory how to do that. And we, we need to train them, train them be before bringing uh, a project like that to them. So yeah, it takes time, you know? I mean, it's not only El Artista, but in every factory, you know, there are way too many Vitolas, too many different things. I have some cigars, for example, I don't know if you have seen my crazy uh, 90 by 11 Exactus, the Super Colosso. Okay. Yeah, so that cigar, I only have one roller uh, uh, that knows how to make it. Oh, and wow. he, yeah, uh, he's, you know, he's way too big. You know, it's a little bit complicated and, and he's the one that knows how to do it and knows how, how to make sure the draw is fine on that cigar. So I mean, just to just to go back for a, a second too in this, like the, and my math's never been my strong suit, but the way you're talking about how many people you're bringing in, the line after line, everything. So do you expect to be, to bring, by the time a full year has gone through with the school, you should have about, what, 250, 300 students that are now working in the factory? So in that factory, you have around 400 in total. Okay. Uh, but uh, of people, but uh, that's including the people that are having sorting. Mm -hmm. uh, that's more labor intense than cigar making. Uh, on the cigar side, I think we have in total 50 right now uh, uh, people learning. The rest is uh, they are sorting the tobacco or auxiliary, you know, helping either the cleaning people or, or, or just people moving things around, I guess. Uh, but on the cigar side, it's around 50. Uh, we have enough space for 100 rollers over there. Uh, right now, we don't need 100 rollers, is, and we are not bringing new people in. Uh, we're right now focusing on making sure the ones, the 50 we have, uh, learn the whole process and, and make sure they make good cigars so we can start making premiums over there as well. Uh, basically, what we are doing is in the, in the old factory, uh, right now, we are only making premium cigars and uh, the value line, premiums and some short feeders. Uh, the value long feeders that we do, uh, we are moving that to La Vega right now. But at okay. the end, in La Vega, we want to do premium. We just you know, want to make sure we are ready to, to work with any project to have the capacity for it. Oh, absolutely. So... This is uh, this conversation is taking a life of its own. This thing, this project is fantastic. I'm so I'm like super into it now. <laughs> uh, so I mean, but so I was going to talk about this later, but I'll talk about it now. So like when you when you started taking over operations uh, in the company a few years ago, and we're going to talk about how you decided to bring El Artista brands to market. We'll talk about that in a minute. But for right now, one of the things I want to mention is like when you when you start taking control, you introduced a whole new wave of quality control too. Like there was quality control obviously before, but you, you introduced some new processes and everything for quality control. Did you, did you, have you taken those and put them in La Vega as well? Or are, are they the same? Are they different? What does that look like? Uh, it's basically the same. Uh, 
since right now we're doing like what I, the quality control, how I use it is that I try to make it standard. Uh, there is actually an inter international rule, a ISO 9001 is called, uh, and you can even get certified on it. And what uh, you use in order to have a standard uh, quality control is using what is called the military charts. Those charts were actually uh, created by uh, 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 by the U.S. actually during World War II, when you know the worst they were mass-producing guns and mm -hmm. military equipment, and you know they needed to make sure everything was uh, uh, complied with the quality, uh, but very fast. And uh, those charts basically tells you. Uh, based on your lock or on how many, for example, cigars you're making, how many do you need to uh, to test, uh, and uh, based uh, on the acceptance level you have. And there's all, always also destructive tests uh, where basically you have to smoke a cigar, for example. Uh, there's a, a standard even for that uh, using another uh, kind of table. Uh, it's a little bit. Uh, that's actually. I have a lot of passion for that, that those kind of things uh, because uh, I went to school for it. You know, I'm an industrial engineer. Yeah. Uh, but uh, basically, it's that you know, you use a, a the normal curve and the three student curve based on the, your log, and it defines uh, how many cigars you need to test. Uh, for premium cigars, I usually test 100% in some other things. For example, the draw test. Everything, every cigar should have a perfect draw. Uh, in value cigars, we usually use uh, a, a, the charts based on 99% uh, of the cigars. Uh, needs to be uh, 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 have a good draw test. And there's a certain amount of cigars you need, need to try in order for you to be able to guarantee that uh, it's more or less uh, that amount of cigars that are perfect. Okay, let's let's talk about draw testing for a second here because let's talk about what we're smoking the the Buffalo Ten right now. So, when I first pulled this the cigar out, um, and and I know you've had this experience before with box press cigars. Like some box press cigars, you you grab and and then you you kind of push down, and there's a lot of give right because a lot of time when you're making box press, sometimes that filler has to be readjusted so that there's better airflow, right? Yeah. But with the Buffalo 10, like I was surprised how firm it was just on the feel, right? Before I lit it up, I was like, man, this thing's got some tobacco in it. But I lit this up and the draw is, I mean, it's not, it's not effortless in the, like the just free flowing way, but I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's just how I like it, Ram, which is there's a, there's a little bit, just a small bit of resistance, but the draw is still, so, it's so easy. Yeah. And, but the cigar is so firm, like, <laughs> how did y'all do that? <laughs> so, yeah, there are little tricks in order to achieve that. I, I, I won't tell you all, but. Sure, uh, we don't want any company I, secrets <laughs> to get out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. One, one, of, one of them of, I think that everybody like, hey, if you are in the cigar industry and you're making cigars, have a scale, make every, make sure every cigar roller has a scale. So if they don't make, if they don't feel sure that they have, are holding the right amount of tobacco, when they make the, the buncher, they wait it. You know, that that's, when we start implementing that, everybody has a little, you see those uh, uh, 
the scales people use uh, to measure uh, gold and stuff like that, like uh, that it all works in grams, but with a very uh, small margin of error, like 0 0.01. So those scales are perfect. You know, they are making cigars. They're not sure. They're just weighted, uh, weight over there. Uh, when we start implementing that, uh, we decrease... It was like 90% of the defects disappear just because everybody had a scale. It's just unbelievable. And it's so simple. And it doesn't even take time, you know? So you have the scale, you, okay, it's fine. Let's go. <laughs> I'm gonna ask a, I'm gonna ask a slightly controversial question. I feel like it might be controversial. So you, you went to school for civil engineering and I know, like, I know you thought about when you were growing up, you thought about different professions. Like I know for a while you thought about being a doctor and a couple of yeah. other things <laughs> and stuff, but when you decided, and I, I feel like if I'm remembering correctly, it was like when you were 17, you went to your first trade show and you're like, I'm in, like, I'm in, this is yeah. it. This is what I want to do. So when you went to school for civil engineering and everything did, when you, when you got your education and then you looked at the way that LRT Cigars was doing things and everything, and, and you knew you were going to introduce these new protocols and processes and everything, I know it wasn't easy or simple to implement them, but it, at the time when you were first thinking about it, did you think, was it, was it, was it simple then to, in your head? Was it like, oh, I, there's like, there's all these potential challenges, but I, there's, there's simple, there's answers for them. Do you know what, am I making yeah, sense? Yeah. I apologize. Am yeah. I making sense? Okay. Yes. Yes. So yes, there was like, oh yeah, this is going to be a piece of cake, you know, basically. Uh, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm still losing. The, 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 the arrogance of the young, right. You know, like, we, yeah. we, oh, we yeah. got, we can Listen, you know, my family's been doing this for generations. That's fine. But I've got the I've got the answer. Like, no, no. yeah, I, I, I can imagine that, like, when I, you think about putting, you know, new processes or new things in place, and you can see like the light at the end of the tunnel, you can see the end result. But the implementation, I imagine, is was probably the biggest challenge, like putting them into effect. Yep, and the fact that uh, resi the resistance to changes, and even more in a very old factory where we have people that have 20 years working and doing the same thing, when this little kid that I used to see running around, uh, you know, climbing the tobacco bales, uh, it comes and pretends to he knows better, you know, it's, it's a little bit complicated, and... Yeah, even, you know, with my dad, you know, I'm right. still the little kid, you know, <laughs> the well, little kid with crazy ideas. Well, Gael's a little kid now. And it, it, here's the here's the thing about that. And we, we never stop. Like, I mean, I'm, I, I, I don't know. Are you the are you the oldest? I'm the youngest. Actually. You're the youngest. OK, so I, me, me as well. OK, so we'll, we're always going to be the babies, man. <laughs> like, yeah, we're yeah. always going to be the little kid. <laughs> so and uh, um but I, I, so I can empathize at that point. No, I think the, I, I really, I, I really think that, you know, what's, what we're kind of witnessing right now in the cigar industry is, is a, is a whole new, you know, we talk about 
and I've heard this mentioned a few times, we're look, we're experiencing a different boom. You know, everyone talks about the boom of the nineties and I know you weren't working in the industry back then, obviously, but like that, that boom is different than this boom. And I feel like this is the, the best way from a, from a, an outside inside perspective is what I call mine. The way that I see it is that it's this next generation, which you're included in that, that's, that's changing things, not necessarily rocking the boat, but changing things in a very positive direction and just building on to what your grandfather and father did before you. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, it's just very interesting to see. You know, I'm not the only young uh, cigar guy in this industry, you know, and it's quite interesting to see uh, not only the people like me that, you know, comes from from a, a, from generation to generation, uh, from a traditional tobacco family, but new people that comes uh, with very different ideas. Uh, sometimes those people that actually leave the first boom and are leaving the, this one now, they're like, oh, these people is crazy, you know, whatever. Uh, it's quite interesting, you know, it's just quite, quite interesting to see uh, what is going on and uh, the, all these new people coming into this industry and uh, putting their, their input to make it uh, better in the, for the future and different as well. 100%. So, so um, to kind of go back to your, your, your childhood and your youth, as you were working in the factory, uh, I heard this story. I'm not sure if it's true, uh, Ram, so correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I was told that you, you were not given an allowance as a child, that if you wanted extra money, if you wanted to go buy a bike or something, if you wanted, if you wanted to buy something, you had to, you had to go do it yourself uh and earn money by doing jobs in the factory is that right yes yes uh, more or less let's say so the rule was is like they never told me it was an allowance it was my my paycheck basically yeah <laughs> so the rule was after i was done with homework i had to go to the factory okay. uh during a regular uh, days you know uh, it was maybe like one hour two hour stops a day uh, that's it but during summer you know i was not doing i was i didn't have any homework so so i, I had to go from since from the morning and in summertime uh they used to rotate me uh, to all the, the the parts you know so i spent some time uh, sorting the tobacco with the girls over there then uh, hanging with the supervisor to see how to supervise the girls sorting the tobacco uh, on the fermentation in the farms as well in the curing barn from the bottom you know so so just like any other employee you know i had to make cigars i have to clean after i was done the whole thing in packaging i used to uh, 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 do the packaging and, and all that which is actually funny that i'm actually very good at it you know, in the packaging side you know putting the cigars on the cello and all that and everybody in the factory like when i see the band like when 
where they put, put it together. It's a little bit blurry, but in this area, <clears throat> when they move it a little bit so you can see uh, that it's not aligned perfectly, I hate that. And I used <laughs> to be very slow just to make sure, you know, there was a, a no, you know, leftovers on top or on the bottom. And when I go to the packaging, I'm always checking on that because that's how it should be. Like it should be very aligned, you know, it should be perfect. The cellar should be, you know, sealed perfectly with no uh, wrinkles or anything. And if I remember one time in Miami, uh, we have some cigars that need to put it in cello. And I was like, come on, let's do it. And I was hoping they were like, how can you do it so fast? I'm, I'm used to it. You know, like <laughs> I used to do, do this when I, when I was a kid all the time. Was there a job that you like, did you ever get to, did you get to pick your job when you would go and work or did they just put you where they needed, they needed somebody so that, or what, how did that work? So my father wanted me to learn uh, all the areas. So, so it was basically when he felt that I knew what I, what, what I was doing, he moved me to, to, to the other uh, place. But I think packaging was probably my, my favorite part of everything. All right. So what was the least favorite? <laughs> the least favorite at the time. Uh, at the time, this is this is young. This is young Ram Rodriguez. Uh, which one? Did, well, when I have to clean all the tobacco <laughs> okay. from, from the from the galera, yeah, they, they I had to clean from everybody, you know. <laughs> so, so now now that you're 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 in your thirties and you've you know you're you're been running this company for a while and i know that you've traveled quite a bit as well you know um you know you know what you've observed of other countries and other societies and everything like that what what was what was probably the most different thing about growing up in a cigar manufacturing uh family in the dominican compared to like some of the other people that you've gotten to meet over the years from other countries you mean Tobacco countries as well, or you mean overall? However you want to answer the question, Ram, I just think it's interesting. <laughs> so, I mean, it's totally different than anything else, probably, you know? And uh, every time I travel, I feel so proud of, of uh, being Dominican, uh, you know, being from that my small uh, town of Tamboril, uh, next to this small city of Santiago, uh, I, it makes me feel very uh, special somehow, you know, mm -hmm. uh, all this tradition that we have, and, in, and not only on the, on the tobacco side, but also even like what we eat and how we are comparing to, to people over all over the world, even in other Latin American countries that uh, for some people, you know, they probably think, oh, it's probably like very similar. No, we are very, very different. From you know one Latin culture to to another, uh, so yeah, there's a lot of contrast. You know, like a Dominican Republic is a weird country where you know yes, we are that Latin American, uh, not so wealthy country like the rest, but we have a little bit more. You know, like we are uh, comparing to to most of the the countries in this territory, uh, one of the have the ones that has a, a better economy and more developed. So that, that's, you know, quite interesting. And uh, 
I mean, yeah, there's just a lot of contrast, man, you know, and even on like on the tobacco side, you know, I, it, 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 every time I travel, you know, tobacco is my passion. So I try to see what's the tobacco culture in, in other countries. And, and, and that's another thing that is very interesting. If you when you see how we do, how we cure the tobacco, how we ferment the tobacco in this country, comparing to similar countries like ours, like Nicaragua, Honduras or Cuba. Uh, but also other kinds of fermentation uh, that you can see maybe in Nordic Nordic countries, uh, uh, like in Sweden, uh, for their, their snooze tobacco or, or the pipe tobacco in Denmark. You know, it's just very different and very interesting to see. So let's talk about El Artista's operations, because you have fields and manufacturing. You have, you know, you grow tobacco in the Dominican, but you also grow tobacco in Ecuador. So how, that's an entirely different country, obviously. Are you able to take your same practices and processes that we were talking about a few minutes ago from the Dominican and apply it to Ecuador? Or is, because it's an entirely different country, is it different? So they are more or less the same. Uh, we're in the areas that change is basically because of the different climate more than anything else. Like for example, here in the Dominican, if you want to, get wrapper, uh, probably you want to have a, a cover the whole farm. In Ecuador, you, you don't need that, for example. So, so there's this process that you don't need. Uh, the barns are very different. Here, the kind of wood that we use is usually pine. Uh, in Ecuador, we use bamboo. Uh, the people, obviously, is very different, you know, to, to work with, with, with locals here and, and versus the Ecuadorian over there. Uh, the only thing that we don't do in, in Ecuador that we do here is most of the fermentation process. Uh, we bring the tobacco house fermented from Ecuador and finish everything here and the sorting because okay. uh, here we have a lot of tradition and uh, it, we have enough experience. In Ecuador, it's not a big tobacco country and there's not a, not a lot of experience on that. So we usually... Uh, do the curing and then the uh, a small the first stage of fermentation and then it comes here uh, just because they, they don't know how to do it there basically but it's it's more or less the same but the same process the, the same cure, the curing process is exactly the same uh, things that are different for example how we prepare the soil is different for example here we uh, use a lot of corn uh, we use bean. Uh, beans as well uh, uh, to cut the cycle and to add nutrients to the to the soil. Over there, we use a lot of soy mainly. Uh, yeah, tiny details, but more or less the same. So we had a sunshine. For example, we needed a mulling room, which is a basically like a big sauna. You know, uh, high humidity, high temperature rooms uh, to accelerate fermentation. Uh, those processes, we couldn't find anybody that was able to do it the way we do it here. So we had to fly some technicians uh, that we ha usually hire here to build ours. Uh, 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 flew them over there for around four months and they had to build everything just the Dominican way, let's say. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's... So here's my last question about this, and then I wanted to go into some uh, an area specific about, you know, when you to go back to when you took over and everything. So you had mentioned that, that that's something really interesting to me. So you use pine in the Dominican for the barns, 
and you guys use bamboo in Ecuador. And I imagine that has to do with like supply, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. What are, are there, are there notable differences like in the length of time it takes uh, when you're, when you're, when you're aging them in the barn or, or curing them in the barn, or is there, you know, what kind of differences do we see? Cause you mentioned how you have to have cover when this is when you're growing it, obviously you have to have cover when you're growing the Dominican and not so much in Ecuador, as you mentioned, but what about in the barn itself? Do, does, does tobacco take longer in one, in one type of structure than another, or is it relatively the same? So it's relatively the same because we basically emulate inside, uh, like we achieve the temperature and humidity we're looking for inside. The big difference is that, for example, uh, the pine is not, it doesn't insulate as much as the bamboo. So here uh, you make the structure and then you have to uh, isolate the structure. Uh, over there is usually just the bamboo and we uh, use uh, less uh, heating uh, because it usually holds the heat better than the pines that we use here. So uh, less propane, basically, uh, in Ecuador. All right. So to go back to our point from when we were talking about earlier, when you were, when you were uh, introducing, introducing new processes and everything as part of your, 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 your kind of taking over of operations and everything, you know, this, again, we're, we kind of joked about how, well, half joked about how, like, you know, you've got employees that have been with you for 20 years and, and then here comes the young kid, you know, changing things around, shaking things around, you know, what, what, you know, would you consider it? Um, I mean, that was challenging in itself, but would you consider the, this, this breaking of tradition or again, I, I think we were talking about this a little bit earlier, or you, or you just, are you just building upon the traditions that your grandfather and father built? I think uh, what I try to do is to build upon that, the tradition that, that, that uh, my grandfather and, and my father built mainly. And, for example, at first, you know, a young little kid uh, pretending to know what, what he was doing uh, is very different to what I am right now. You know, uh, I feel very grateful uh, to say that, uh, you know, uh, people already respect me. And when I have a, an idea, they usually uh, uh, are very open to listen to what I'm proposing and even debating to me, you know, like I usually encourage people to tell me why my idea is maybe a bad idea, you know, like, but I was able to achieve that, you know, by respecting all the tradition and respecting the people that has been doing that same process for a long period of time, you know? So I know when, I know when you were having the discussion with your father about making your own brands, you know, putting the brands that you had, you know, done for the Dominican people years and years ago and actually making them for the market yourself. I know it was met, it was kind of met with some resistance. I mean, I know your dad kind of challenged you a little bit on that. I mean, when you finally convinced him to start to, to, to start on this new journey of El Artista cigars, I mean, did you have like a, I mean, what, what did that vision look like? Was it a vision of like, Hey, this is going to be, you know, are we're going to be, you know, where we are now? Like, are you, is it kind of aligned with where you thought, did you think it would be ahead where, 
than where you are now? Did you think you would be further behind? Like where, where are you in the vision that you kind of presented to your father during those, those convert, those initial conversations? I thought it was going to be easier, you know, uh, okay. yeah, creating a brand and uh, selling a product is very, very, very different to making products, you know, and honestly, I thought like, oh, yes, you know, like we'll be selling a lot of our brands in less than a year, you know, like this is a piece of cake. This is very easy. And it's not true. You know, it, it takes a lot of time uh, and dedication. Uh, in order for you to achieve that. So uh, based on what I knew in that moment and what I thought it was going to be, is taking way longer than what it's actually taking, you know, in order for us uh, uh, to be what, you know, what I had, had envisioned back then and still have. So let's take it back to that moment when you decided to approach your father about making these, making this, gigantic shift in your doctrine about the way that you all did business and everything. Um, you know, like I said, we're, like we said earlier, you know, Elder Artista only still only makes up a third of y'all's actual production. You're still honoring a great number of contracts for, and, and doing producing cigars for a whole, you know, world, a global, a global cigar market. I mean, call it what you will, but the, um, when you were putting together this 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 uh, this presentation for him and everything, what were what were some of the what were some of the biggest points of resistance that your father gave? Like, what was he saying to you that would be the most challenging to you? So, just the fact that I was venturing uh, in another country, you know, a, with a different culture, with a different system, uh, I, that was the biggest resistance my father had. Uh, it was like, oh, like, you don't know, you don't know if, if I wanted to, you know, I'm going to Miami, I'm going to lease a warehouse, and I'm going to start from there. Oh, yeah, and who's going to take care of that warehouse? Are you going to trust that person? Uh, and have you ever seen a lease contract in, in your life in and from that country, you know, like you, that you have no idea uh, who's going to be the attorney that is going to read that contract to you, that you trust, uh, you know, like, uh, how are you going to open the business? Like, do you, you know, like he just had no idea. And things are different here in the Dominican, you know, even to open a business in the States is, is very simple. Here you need an attorney and around, if it's just a regular comp company, at least 30 days. In the States, you just go online and you get it in less than 24 hours. You have your tax ID, you know, you're good to go. So, but he didn't, he didn't knew that, you know, uh, it, he, didn't even thought that I was capable of drive around Miami because I don't know the city, you know, like, like even those li little details, you know? Right. <laughs> what? Okay. So, so the big, I think the biggest question, and it, it, it certainly may have changed over the last few years as you've kind of embarked on this journey along with your father who now let's, let's also be quite frank. Your, your father is now a hundred percent on board. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and loves everything that you've done. At least that's the, what I've been hearing. But um, let's go back again, back to the original decision that you made when you're like, Hey, I'm going to approach my father and the company about making these changes. The biggest question is why, why, why did you want to make these changes that yeah, 
broke away from 50 years at the time of tradition? It was just a dream. Like, honestly, I remember that first uh, IPCPR that I saw those very big booths, you know, uh, we were just walking around uh, meeting with our customers and, you know, showing them the tobacco samples that we had and some cigars as well, you know? And I, what I saw there is like, you know, like this is pretty cool what we're doing, but I, I, I wanna be one of those booths, you know? Like I want people to know uh, a, a, about our factory, about our family, about our products. Uh, and honestly, even before that, I remember when I was still like, probably like 13, 12 or 13 years old that uh, my father was going to a cigar event uh, for uh, one of those big catalogs is uh, online stores. And uh, we had some products that were, you know, uh, from our portfolio. And he was like, oh yeah, you know, like I'm just bringing the cigars and whatever, they do the rest. And I was like, no, 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 you know, you need to have business cards. You need to have a brochure with all the products. We don't even have a website. So, you know, I start rushing everything. I remember I did uh, on you know, Microsoft Publisher, like a little uh, three-tire brochure and that I print like a hundred copies in the factory and gave it to him. Like, you need to have this uh, 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 where you were showing your product so people can read about the cigars they're smoking. You know, like those little things, you know, about branding, like, like uh, it, it was always in my head, you know, like we need to build a brand, you know? That's awesome. Now we're going to be talking about some of uh, some of y'all's newest releases here in a couple of minutes. But you know, you talked about how all these changes have come about, and you've you guys have successfully launched several brands, brought a lot of predicate stuff back, stuff that you produced for years, uh, but made it for now. You're branding it under El Artista and bringing it to market, or rebringing it to market, rebranding, restructuring, everything. Like I said, we're going to talk more about those here in a minute. But this has also opened up. Oh, your success, Ram, has opened up so many doors, so many additional doors uh, for other manufacturers. You've partnered with so many people in the past, and those 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 relationships continue to blossom. But now you've got two. Uh, you know what we learned at the, this year's trade show is you've 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 added two additional great uh, relationships uh, to the El Artista family. One uh, one is Gurkha. You guys are now producing a cigar for them. But one of the biggest ones that I wanted to talk about, because this is, I mean, this was huge uh, when we learned about it, but the, the famed Don Lino line, most notably known as the Don Lino Africa from Miami Cigar Company that's made by AJ Fernandez, they're now introducing a new, uh, new line of cigars with two expressions, the Don Lino Dominic, Dominicana, which is now going to be produced at El Artista. Am I right? Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. And we are actually packaging those cigars right now. I, when uh, when Miami Cigar and, and Gurkha, for that matter, first approached you about these new projects that now you're doing for them, I mean, I, I hate I, I resist to ask the question, like, how did that make you feel? But what what did that give you in, in terms of reflection about where how far you have come in just the last few years? 
Yeah, uh, it honestly it made me feel very happy and proud of 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 uh, everything we've been doing. And uh, you know, it's it, Artista is very big team of people, you know, and uh, all the credit is not only for me that I was the one with the crazy idea, uh, uh, you know, that proposed that to my father, but everybody in, in the factory, uh, they are all doing a very good job. And uh, having Gurkha and Miami Cigars uh, as our customer is uh, one of the examples of, of uh, uh, how good uh, things can happen if you do things uh, the right way in, in your factory. Was that was that like a point of nervousness at all for you? Because the Don Lino name has carried a lot of weight in this industry for 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 decades. Um, was there? Did you feel any kind of sort of pressure to to take on this project, or was it? Did you just simply view it as a as an as another opportunity, as another challenge? Honestly, I see it more as, a, as another challenge, more than, than something that freaks me out. Uh, when I see the, the planning, the production planning in the factory, I get a, like an email every, every week of what we're packaging, what we're doing. Uh, it makes me a little bit nervous to know like how many cigars we need to deliver in the next week or the next two weeks, you know. Uh, but it, I feel we're ready, you know. If this exact same thing happened uh, when I started this project, for example, I will be freaking out and I will probably make a big mess. But it, you know, I feel we are all very well prepared for 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 this. Uh, so you know, I, I'm very confident and, and happy. So a lot, a lot has gone on in the last 60 years at El Artista and even a lot in just the last few years since you've taken over. So this is, this has been really enlightening, uh, Ram. I really, really appreciate you taking us down uh, memory lane, historical lane, and then also bringing us into the future with what you guys are doing. It's really exciting stuff. Uh, we're going to talk more about your products here in a second, especially some of your new releases. Uh, but I like to kind of break up the show at this time and talk about these are what I call my fun segments. Uh, and the first one is always our, our, our one must go. Now, you have a little bit of uh, experience with this because uh, you participated in the last time you were on uh, Cigar Coup Primetime Special Edition with me and Will Cooper. So uh, we're going to do an Eloso uh, one must go. So uh, as always, our, our one must go segment is brought to you by United Cigars featuring La Giana Havana, distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, and the highly acclaimed Atabay and Byron lines. So smoke one today and start living United. Now, Ram, we kind of talked about this a second ago, uh, a few minutes ago, a little bit. Um, and I think you kind of gave away the answer, at least part of, part of the answer. But I thought it would be fun because I knew you grew up in the factory doing all these different types of jobs and everything. Now, now the three types of three types of jobs in cigar manufacturing that I'm about to present to you are all essential to manufacturing cigars. So you can't quote unquote, get rid of any of them. Otherwise, there's no point, right? But <laughs> now that you've spent years understanding the entire production of cigars and what it takes and everything like that, if you if it was possible to get rid of one of these jobs, because either A, you don't like it, or it's labor intensive, or it's difficult to train, how, however you interpret it, it's up to you, okay? So I'm going to give you three uh, jobs inside the cigar 
manufacturing world and you got to say one's got to go like one is whatever you why whatever reason and i want to hear the reason why you pick it but i think i know one you're going to keep but here they are you ready okay sorting boxing so this goes into putting the cigars in cello putting the label on putting them in the box that's the whole thing okay and working with pelones in the fermentation process so which one's got to go and why oof i mean i personally love packaging but i think i will let packaging go <laughs> oh oh my god just don't totally threw me for a curveball there yeah i that, i thought that's because you, you liked it i know i know but it is it's a bottleneck you know okay uh, yes I, I think the main reason honestly like for example fermentation I think it's the most beautiful part of everything. Okay. Sorting, eh, you know, like, yeah. It's either sorting or packaging, but just by the fact that it's such a big bottleneck, I think I'll choose packaging. It's, I mean, because I know it's a bottleneck, and that's why you guys actually, in fact, this was, this has been about 18 months old now. You guys actually started manufacturing your own boxes now too, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Be because Which, it was such by a big the way, if you mention that one, like box making, I will like I will cut you. Like if you said making boxes as the first option, I will say like yeah, yeah, leave the other two box making. <laughs> I just scared. Them. <laughs> oh yeah, yes, please. <laughs> what what what's so what why what uh, I gotta ask then what what's the what's the thing about box making that's it's frustrating? so complicated to make a box. And, you know, I used to complain with, with all the supply. Honestly, the main reason I decide to open a wooden box factory is because they are unreliable. They are usually unreliable and it, it, very slow and it takes forever. Boxes is always a problem. You know, like when not only my factory, when you go to any factory to make cigars, they oh, will yeah. tell you this. Boxes are always a problem. You know, take care of your boxes on time. You know, we heard it all through the trade show. Yeah, that people were waiting on boxes. That's it. Yep, waiting on boxes, waiting on boxes. It's just so complicated. It's so labor intense. Uh, you know, you have to move so many pieces to you know run a machine for twenty minutes that will make the two hundred boxes that you order. But but then there are a, there's a line of another three hundred boxes, and now you have to wait two more hours to set up the machines for those other 200 boxes. It's just crazy. Boxes is crazy, man, for real. Was <laughs> was that a big part of why you went for, to the Mazo for the Buffalo 10, or was that to in order to keep the price down because you wanted to create a more value? It rate? was in order to, to keep the price down more than okay. anything else. Yeah. I See, I, I, I collect boxes. My mother, who absolutely doesn't really like anything about cigars, doesn't understand anything about this world, doesn't get why I do what I do. Uh, supportive, don't get me wrong, but doesn't really get any of it. Uh, she's a box collector. And like, that's like one of her favorite things is at Christmas time, I will always give her two or three boxes and she, she absolutely loves it. Like, it's like the, it depends. It's either the most expensive gift because I actually bought the cigars or it's the least yeah. expensive because I'm giving her something used. It's, I'm, I'm still trying to decide what it is, but she absolutely loves it. I, I, that's frustrating for me because I know you guys, you know, having learned so many of so many learned from so many manufacturers over the years, how just painful it is, as you kind of described a minute ago. 
And I just, I think that makes me appreciate it even more. Like, and I was a really big fan of boxes beforehand, but I think that it makes me appreciate it even more just because it is so, you know, annoying, unfortunately for you guys. <laughs> but, um, so like when you, let's talk about this for a second. So when you like, now that you have your own box manufacturing, um, capabilities and everything when you when you are working on a project like what other than the painful task of waiting for them to be done and everything what kind of goes into the mindset is it is it is it is it material is it the design like what's what's the most challenging part on that aspect of it not just waiting i know that's the most painful but like is it the design is it the materials what's the what's the most challenging part there Material is usually pretty simple because you know uh, we use uh, our main wood. We call is called okume. It's a wood we import from Africa. It's very lightweight. Uh, so okume and cedar are, are you know the two woods that, that you use. Uh, design is where it gets a little bit tricky. And sometimes, well, for example, the limited edition humidors that that we did if, if with Buffalo Ten and, and Big Papi, uh, they might look pretty simple, but it's not that simple to make a, a, a to print so many colors on, on with the process that we use here. Uh, silk screen mainly, and it, it's just a little bit complicated in order to achieve, you know, calibration a, a, and with the technology that we use. When silk screen is used also in with t-shirts and stuff like that, um, they have huge equipments that are made for to work on fabric, and they are perfect. They're computerized and very simple to use. They calibrate immediately, and they do the same printing all the time. It would is different. Everything is done by hand, so you all that calibration needs to be done by hand. And every time you do the silk screen, you need to actually see. Okay, yes, it's, it's a still well calibrated. We don't have to make any adjustments. Uh, so the design is, I think, the most challenging one uh, out, of, out of everything. Um, what I always try to do is uh, with the boxes is I like simplicity, so I try to keep it very simple with some special details that, that can make the difference. Like, for example, the Puro Ambar box, which is a very simple design. Uh, it has on a silk screen that is uh, with... Uh, that I, we, we did with clear uh, finish. So you have to, you know, like really look into it to make, to discover that there's a little uh, Easter egg over there with that. Everything is mad, but that little thing uh, is shiny, but you really need to be looking for it in order for you to see it. Uh, those little things that are simple, but beautiful at the same time, uh, I think are usually the most challenging uh, parts. And in order for you, like, I want this, but I have this machine. So, you know, I have to make it work. It's a little bit complicated to, to do it. Oh, that's awesome. Well, again, Ram, thanks for participating in uh, that one must go segment. Uh, and as always, uh, it is brought to you by United Cigars. Uh, featuring La Giana Havana and distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, and the highly acclaimed Atabay and Byron lines. Uh, smoke once a day and start living united. So even though he loves it, uh, the packaging 
would have to go. And we got some great insights into box manufacturing as well there. So there's a bonus for everybody. Um, so this next segment has been kind of the one of, has become one of the most popular on this show, uh, Ram. It's something that I started on my birthday um, last late last year. So back in October. And it's been, it's kind of taken on a life of its own. It's been fantastic. And each week I've asked my guests uh, or guests to uh, spotlight or highlight a nonprofit or charity of their choice. And we raise awareness for it. And, you know, along the way, we've, we've raised a little bit of money for these organizations. And it's been, it's been really eye-opening to see what's, uh, what some of my guests are pretty passionate about outside of the cigar industry. Sometimes the charity is cigar related sometimes, and a lot of time, actually it's not. And, um, but it's, it's, it's been fantastic. And this, this week, uh, you chose an organization that I, while I didn't know how to pronounce it correctly, have, <laughs> have known a great deal about for a while. And, uh, it's a beautiful organization called, uh, Techo and Techo, uh, is a wonderful, wonderful organization that does a lot of international work. Uh, and, uh, the highlight of them specifically, I was really in, was really impressed by was their empathy pact, which is published on their website. And it's a global movement to make poverty history, which just is awesome. And the idea is to bring uh, funds and, and everything towards uh, making sure that uh, some of the, the poorest corners of the world are, are brought to the, what we, what, what some of us often take for granted, just basic standards of living. And uh, Tesho does a great does, does great work, and um, and this was your choice. So, uh, what you know, Ram? What? Why did you choose Tesho, and why? Uh, what? Uh, what? What moved you to to choose them tonight? Well, so yeah, I was actually a volunteer of Tesho when I was in college, and that was the main reason. And honestly, it, the work they do is amazing, and is something not only uh, to help the people that live in extreme poverty, uh, poverty in, in, uh, in different countries, uh, but I think uh, like what really that uh, organization do, do is that it helps you to open your eyes and see what is going on next door, basically. At least for me, you know, here living here in the Dominican. Uh, I remember the first time I volunteered with them, uh, I went to uh, a neighborhood in Santo Domingo, which is a, a very big city. Uh, one of, I think it's the biggest one in, in, no, no, the second biggest after Havana in, in the Caribbean and the biggest economy of, of this whole region. And we have everything there. You know, we have very high-rise buildings. A lot of multinationals uh, settled there, over there. Uh, a lot of beautiful shopping malls with high-end brands inside. But right next door, you know, like in the outsides of the, of the city, uh, there are neighborhoods, you know, that the contrast is just so different. And I went to a town called Mano Guayabo. Uh, Mano Guayabo is actually the hometown of, of Pedro Martinez. Uh, former mm -hmm. pitcher of, of Boston Red Sox. Right. And uh, I went there to build a house. Uh, when I signed in, honestly, I just did it because uh, I had this girl that I was dating. I was like, yeah, I'll go with you. I don't mind. And I was expecting that I was just going to go there and build a house and call it for the day. 
But when I start reading the new the the rules and how what's the process gonna be, I start freaking out. Like, oh really? Are you guys? I need to bring a sleeping bag because I'm gonna sleep on the floor in a public school in a very dangerous neighborhood in Santo Domingo. Like, what is going on? So, you know, you go there for three days. Uh, the first thing they tell you is like, you know, like it's not only building, like uh, the people that are gonna help you are the ones, the people that are actually gonna live over there and ask them questions, uh, learn about the, uh, their life, what they do uh, and why they are over there, you know? And it really opened my eyes, you know? Uh, discovering that people in this country live out of maybe $4 a day you know, it's just incredible. And a whole family, you know, uh, mom, dad, and three kids. And if the house that I built, which was tiny, they were extremely happy, you know, it, it just, it was maybe less than a hundred square, uh, uh, square feet uh, house that, that we built. And they were just so happy, you know, uh, and I, when I talk to the father of the family, like, what, what do you do for a living? Well, you know, uh, I try to, you know, find some plantains and go to the to the main avenue just to sell it, you know, to bring some money to the house. Uh, I used to be a, a security guy in a, in a big shopping mall in downtown. Uh, uh, but one day riding in my motorbike, I uh, somebody hit me, my motorbike was destroyed and they fired me. And now I'm struggling, trying, you know, to bring a little bit of food to the family. Uh, it's, it's just crazy, you know, and it really opens your eyes to realize uh, how blessed uh, we are. We, we all are that uh, don't live in, in that kind of condition. And, you know, we just need to be grateful of, of everything we have. Uh, little, maybe you consider what you have as something insignificant and little, but trust me, you know, uh, we are all spoiled of, of, of what we what we have. You know, it, that I mean, that's unbelievable because I mean, that's, you know, those are those are your countrymen and countrywomen that you you're helping out. And, you know, for and I know that there, there's poverty in every country, there's poverty here in the United States and everything, but it really it really brings, you know, hearing you tell that story kind of brings a little bit kind of, you know, definitely should help people make, you know, you know, people feel grateful for what they have. You know, I, I'm sitting here and I mean, I'm sweating my, my tail off in my garage. That's where my studio is. And I have, I have an, I have what would relatively seem like a, a modest home in this country. I have an 1100 square foot house. Um, but in the area that I'm in now in my garage is, is actually a little bit over a hundred square feet. So it's larger than that place that you built for that family of five. And, oh, yeah. and the way that they changed their life instantly overnight to just have a, a what would amount to a room here in, in, in my country is, I mean, that, that's that's so eye-opening i mean that i mean that just that should make everyone feel just a little bit more grateful for what they have that's incredible um yeah that's true um so i mean 
is L are are you still formally involved with it? Is our is our L Artista doing any side projects with Tesho specifically? Or are you were you just moved to to are you just moved because of your experience just moved to continue to support them? Uh, me personally, I, I still support them. Uh, I'm not a volunteer anymore, but uh, I, I'm always uh, I always make donations to them. Uh, as an artista, uh, we do uh, some social work here in the Dominican, uh, but we focus mainly in, in our region, in, in Tamboril, uh, our hometown, more than anything else. Wonderful. Just wonderful. Great, great organization, does great things. And, and uh, right now, actually, if you go on Tesho's uh, website, and I, put it, I posted it in the comments, and it'll be in the show notes later on as well. Uh, right now, the big uh, the big push is um, for uh, for the neighboring country or the Dominican. Uh, it's for Haiti. Um, you know, Haiti just had a, another another natural disaster hit their way. Uh, Eleven years ago, there was a un- crazy uh, earthquake that hit, and it just uh, and they're they're continuing to, to raise money for that. Right now, if you actually go to their website. Um, if you go to their empathy pact, which is a really, like I said, this is something that's really cool. Uh, the idea of a, the idea of being a global movement to make to eradicate poverty—it's a bold, bold goal. But it's something they're going for. Right now, they're in the middle of a five uh, billion, or excuse me, five million. Excuse me, five. Whoa, five million dollar goal that they're trying and right now they're about a little bit over a fifth of the way there they're at 1.3 million dollars raised so far Uh, so if you feel called please consider donating to this terrific organization i posted a link in uh, the advertisement for tonight's show on facebook you can go there hit the donate button and donate money that's this is something that's really cool uh uh ram i love you know there's a lot of negative thing about social media and Facebook certainly catches its criticism, but something I always bring to everyone's attention is that Facebook is a $0 retainer when it comes to donations to charity. They don't take anything. Um, in fact, you can donate any amount of money, even from a small meager amount, as much as a dollar, as little as a dollar uh, to any nonprofit organization and a hundred percent of your donation goes towards that organization. Um, so I really uh, either implore you to go to their website or use that link that I posted in on Facebook and, you know, donate to this amazing cause. And, um, as always is tradition on this show, Ram, uh, later tonight, my wife and I have pledged, uh, since we started this movement, um, that we'll be making, that we make donations each week to each of these causes. So later tonight, my wife and I will be making a donation in your honor, uh, to Techo. Uh, and hopefully it can go to, you know, the small donation that it will be, it can go on to do a little bit of good for these, for these people. That, that's very beautiful, man. I, I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. No, thank you for bringing it to our attention. So, um, so kind of moving uh, back to El Artista uh, for the, the remainder of tonight's show and everything. Um, I am just wrapping up. I'm still smoking. It's fantastic. Uh burning my fingertips here i am just finishing up the buffalo 10 connecticut which is uh one of your newest releases that you're bringing to market um is it has it shipped already or is it is it in the process yes. okay yes uh, it's, it's still in the process but we have shipped already uh, around 75 percent of the 
orders uh, we got from from PCA. Well, that's terrific. Um, Graham, I know you're as the as, as the manufacturer of this product. I know you're anxiously awaiting my opinion. This is every, 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 everyone I like. I said who has smoked it has been blown away by it. Uh, I am I am in lockstep with everybody else. I I am really enjoying this cigar. It is absolutely fantastic. I cannot believe this is a quote unquote value brand. Uh, the draw has been perfect, as I mentioned earlier. The construction has been phenomenal. The flavor is really impressive for for the quote unquote Connecticut. You know, you think of a milder cigar and. While the intensity certainly is mild, the flavor is certainly uh, not. It's very, very full flavored. Uh, I'm, I'm really enjoying this cigar. I'm well, well done. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bro. I'm really happy to hear you like it. So to talk a little bit more about this cigar as you've brought it to market and everything, and with the additional other Buffalo 10 offerings that we talked about, something we mentioned, but I thought was really unique. This is, to my knowledge... And we talked about this a little bit at the trade show. To my knowledge, this is the, the this is this might be the only quote unquote value box press cigar that we've kind of seen on the market. And that may or may not be true. I don't so apologize if someone wants to fact check me, they can. But um, what was it a what was attractive to you about the box pressing that you were like, hey, this we want this to be box press? What was it about that that you that you really wanted to do? To be honest with you. We had no idea that it was going to be a box press. Uh, we were just blending, and we, I don't know, I think it was Kevin Newman's idea that, like, hey, you know, like, let's try it on box press. You know, we were getting close to the blend uh, that uh, we were going to release, and we did, and we was like, ooh, you know, this is a great cigar, and you know, we decided to, to go that way. But to be honest with you, uh, it was not planned. It, it just happened. Uh, it was a little bit of a concern, mainly to my father, when I told him, like, hey, we're going to make a balanced cigar, and it's going to be a box press. It's like, you, do you realize there's more labor, and it's not going to be a value cigar? I was like, yes, it's going to be, and I'll show you the homework later. But... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, I, I have no idea if there's another uh, cigar considered a value uh, in box press. Who knows? Probably there is out there. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say if someone wants to fact check me, they can. But I, I couldn't, I couldn't think of anyone then when we were talking about it at the show, and I still can't now think of one that's that's like considered like what quote unquote a value brand that that this box press and. The next cigar I'm going to light up, I'm going to light up the natural, actually. Um, I'm really excited about this. I've, I've had this before. It's a, a tremendous cigar. My, my favorite cigar that you make is still, uh, and I know everyone's expecting, because everyone knows I'm a Red Sox fan. Everyone's expecting me to say the big poppy, and I certainly do enjoy it. I love, I love the Cimarron offerings. I think those, those cigars are outstanding. I mean, just a home run, uh, not to be too punny. They're a home run. They're fantastic. Um but let's talk about some of the other new releases that, that you guys are bringing to market this fall. Um, I know that your planned release was about this time, August, September, for some of those releases. So we talked about the Buffalo Con uh, 10 Connecticut. What else, uh, what, uh, what other cigars are you guys bringing to market uh, uh, that's, that's new uh, for all your, all your consumers and fans? So we also release uh, the new slogger, a new size for the slogger, uh, which is now uh, in robusto size, uh, 50 by 5. Uh, 
same blend, uh, San Andres, uh, Mexican San Andres Maduro as wrapper, Negrito binder and a blend of Dominican and Nicaragua as fillers. Uh, now in a smaller size, uh, is more or less uh, the same flavor profile as, as this uh, 60 by seven. Usually in smaller cigars, cigars uh, taste, uh, flavors intensifies a little bit, uh, which I personally enjoy it quite a lot. Uh, and honestly, so far it has became my favorite cigar out of the, the David Ortiz lineup that we have. Uh, it's a great cigar. Uh, I hope uh, you and, and everybody get to try it soon. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to talk because uh, I, I actually my Robusto Corona. Those are my those are my go to sizes typically. So when you announced that you were doing a Robusto in that particular line, I was really I was really excited about it. Um, so, for for some of the same reasons you were talking about, I found that the the that the original version, the sixty by seven, had a lot of great flavor. And um, I typically see in larger cigars where that you know that flavor tends to kind of fade out a little bit or or be a little bit more muted. Sometimes it just depends. But we were talking about this in a previous interview, so I, I want to bring it up now. When you when you when you actually created the slugger and actually in the original big poppy as well, you blended it to be that bigger gauge cigars. Talk about the challenge that it is to blend in something that size as compared to say the Robusto, for instance. So yes, the, the slugger, it was actually the first time that I blend in that size in particular. And it is quite a big challenge because usually the blended the blending process starts uh, with a with a little gabillero, how we call it. It's just uh, the tobacco in pure gray. Uh, you try it and start uh, blending one with another, but in a freehand roll little cigar. Uh, usually, when you final uh, finally find a a, a a blend that you believe is gonna taste good that flavor that you get in those little uh, freehand roll cigars probably represents around 70% or, or maybe even less of what the final cigar is going to taste like. After that, you have to make the cigar uh, and press it. You know that, you know, that's the secret. You know, when you tie all that tobacco together, it tastes completely different. And when you try it like that, it's probably going to be 95 to 96% of how the final product is gonna uh, smoke like, because you also need to let it age. Uh, for me, it was quite a big challenge because I'm used to blend this way, but then I go to a Robusto size. And from a Robusto size, I start increasing uh, the sizes and the proportions of the tobacco. So from jumping from that freehand roll to uh, uh, 60 by seven, it was not very easily. Uh, it, I couldn't match uh, what I was smoking at first to the final uh, ring gauge. So I had to tweak it more and more and more. And it took us a little bit uh, longer than usual. So yeah, it is a little bit harder uh, to work from zero, uh, like from a freehand roll to a, to a bigger ring gauge. So when you decided that you were gonna do another expression of the Slugger blend, why did you guys settle on the Robusto? Was it because the way it smoked or was that just a, just a decision kind of 
from the very beginning, hey, we're going to go smaller and we're going to go to a Robusto? Or was it that the Robusto, you tried other sizes and the Robusto was the one that won? Like what kind of, what was the process there? Uh, the feedback that we've been getting from the traditional slogger, it was like, oh, it's a fantastic cigar. It's too big. You know, <laughs> a lot of people love it and it's been doing quite well. Uh, but we always get that question. Do you have it in a smaller ring gauge? Uh, we decided to the Robusto in particular, may, mainly because we already uh, have the, the traditional Big Papi uh, in total size. And so we decided, you know, let's, we are not expanding sizes on the Big Papi. So let's try to make sure we cover, uh, you know, the Robusto, like smaller ring gauge smoker, all the way up to the 60 ring gauge smoker. So Robusto was uh, the, the choice for that so the, the to go back to the project of big poppy which was you know obviously inspired by your relationship with david ortiz to begin with um how how involved with the has he how involved with you has he been in the these additional add-ons the slugger and now the robusto slugger is he is he still part of the the creative process at all or still part of the process at all or are you, are you just, uh, are you continuing to build on the legacy that he started with the, with the Big Poppy? So both blends, uh, the blend on the slogan and the Big Poppy uh, was a blend with him. Uh, and he was the one that made the final call on, on which the, 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 the product was going to be. And actually the 60 by 7 idea was his idea because uh, he tells me like, oh, everybody... It tells me that it, it, like my cigar looks like a toothpick in my hand because you know my hand is very is very big. Uh, on the robusto, uh, he didn't participate in the factory per se, mainly because you know nobody was traveling in that moment, and uh, you know it was not a new blend, just as uh, an addition to the portfolio. So he. We didn't start it until he got, uh, we got an approval from him. So when we started making the cigars, you know, we sent a couple of cigars for him, for him to, sh to smoke and share with his friends. And after I got the okay, we started, you know, producing it to sell it to the market. That's awesome. I was, I was curious because I know he likes that. Uh, I've heard that toothpick story before. So I was I was interested to see what his take on the Robusto was. That's got to seem like a like almost like a purito from yeah. <laughs> to him or something. But um, um, I, I know this story is kind of like ancient history because it happened over a year ago. But I still go back to the the time where he, I, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong here, it was the Slugger actually where him and Alex Rodriguez lit one up on national oh, television. Yeah. Um. When he did that, I know that wasn't necessarily planned or anything. It was kind of just like one of those spur of the moment things. But when you saw that, I mean, what did that like? I mean, I mean, that had to just bring immense pride to you and your family. I mean, that I mean, that had to be a really unique moment for you. Oh, it was it was crazy. And I had no idea that was going to happen. And it. I remember uh, one of David's friends uh, that was there uh, uh, when it happened, uh, text me like, hey, are you, are you watching Fox, Sport, uh, Fox Sports? And I told him like, hey, I'm in the Dominican. We have here Fox Deportes. So, you know, they're probably putting soccer there or something. So, no. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, but please make sure to save a copy of it or, or uh, uh, for me to, to watch it tomorrow. Uh, he was not able to get it, but I had no idea that they were going to uh, reproduce it all over the place. It was all over social media. And oh, yeah. It was, yeah, it was amazing, you know. Uh, it was just crazy. And everybody was talking about it, you know, texting me like, hey, you saw David smoking your cigar. I was like, yeah, man, that's, you know, incredible. When I, I, I just, I can't imagine, you know, again, I'm a huge fan of David Ortiz himself, but I mean, I can't, from, from where you said, I just can't imagine what that, what that moment must've felt like, even though you didn't actually witness it, like you said, but you heard, you heard obviously the, 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 the result of it. And I mean, you're, we, we, we kind of hinted at this earlier, your relationship with, with him, obviously, kind of i won't say launched el artista because you were working on things before that bringing cigars to market and stuff but i mean what is the relationship with with david and the pop the big poppy brand and henceforth the slugger what has that meant to your business as a whole is it is it is it kind of a is it a huge launching pad off of it has it does it really i guess change the barometer that much or is it just another piece of the, the continued success that you've had? I'm really interested to see how, how it does for you. On our premium line, it, it was a, a very big hit. And it, it put our name out there, you know. It gave us a lot of exposure. And so, you know, it, I, it, it was fantastic. You know, it, it, it was a, a great opportunity. Uh, that we took, you know, to uh, get people uh, to know a little bit more of, of El Artista. So for us, it's, ex you know, it's extremely important. And nowadays, it's actually a, on our premium line, line, one of our best-selling products as well. So it's, it's doing fantastic. And uh, it is something very important for us. It's wonderful. What... Um what other new products are you guys bringing to market right now that you announced at the trade show? So we didn't have any other products and we had the idea that maybe at the end of this year, we, uh, we're going to have some other new products. I actually already have some blends uh, that we are ready to be released. We still haven't built the whole brand uh, behind those blends yet. Uh, so Probably for this, this year, we're not going to bring anything new. Mm -hmm. uh, next year, we will for sure. Um, it's been really crazy. It, then that's the main reason why we didn't bring anything else new. Uh, because of COVID and the high demand, it's been just a little bit crazy. You know, I just don't want to bring something that I'm not going to be able to fulfill. Uh, so, yeah, for now, it, the Buffalo 10 Connecticut and the new size of, of Slower are the official releases of, of 2021. So, so I know that El Artista launched the, the brand. You started with this Exactus, right? Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you have the Pulita, which is named for your grandfather. Uh, the big poppy brands we've talked about, Piro Ambar, um, Slugger, Buffalo 10, Cimarron, we've all mentioned. Got your six is, is another brand that you guys do, but 
I'm interested to hear about a very old brand that you guys, I mean, hung your hat on. It was one of the first ones that kind of started the whole thing, which was uh, Puro Cibao. Uh, everything. Is there any? Is there anything uh, in the works in the plans to kind of kind of redo that and rebrand that and bring that to market, or are you guys are you guys keeping that in the keeping that in in the wings? I guess. So, to be honest with you, when, for the 60th anniversary my main idea was to release it as, as Puro Cibao. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, we never sold that product in the, in the States as, with that commercial name. Uh, so we don't have any, any rights on, on the brand and the trademark already exists from a fellow cigar smoker, a cigar a factory that is actually very friend of us, Pochi uh, Blanco in La Palma. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw the idea and uh, I actually was thinking about, you know, asking my dad, hey, like, well, let, let, let's talk to Hoshi. I'm pretty sure uh, he will sell it or, or he wouldn't mind, you know, having a coexistence. But uh, we decided just to go with, with the path of, of using my, my grandfather's name instead. So, the, yeah, the Polita 60th anniversary and everything. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's a, I think that's a great homage to your grandfather who started the brand, you know, 60 years ago. Um, and that's, I mean, my goodness. I mean, it's, it's crazy to think that, um, you know, we're, we're, I mean, we're half, we're, we're now halfway to, um, to the 70th anniversary of you guys, you know, so in 2026, 70th anniversary will come down. And I know that's a long way away and, you know, there's not, you may or may not have any plans for that and everything, but it is the, I guess it is the, it is 2021 is the 65th year of your, of your company. Um, you know, I mean, have you had conversations with your father? Cause I know you never met your grandfather, correct? Yeah. I never met him. Have you had any conversations with your father about like, you know, the, obviously the company that your grandfather started and like, like where it is today as compared to what he built and everything like that. And what, you know, what you think he would have, you know, would have thought about, you know, all these, all these, these great things that you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Every time, you know, my father is a little bit sensitive when uh, I talk to him about, about uh, my grandfather. And so you know, it's usually uh, uh, like it, it really touched him. You know, like, like when I ask him that those kind of questions. Uh, but I'm I'm pretty sure he will be proud to to see you know what the artista is right now. I'm I'm a hundred percent sure of that. And uh, we always try to uh, uh, you know uh, keep a lot of the traditions he used to have back then. Some of them are, for example, uh, he used to make a party at the end of the year, every single year. Obviously, now with COVID, we're not doing it anymore, but we do that every year uh, for all of our staff. And there's one little silly thing that uh, we do. And at first, I did never understood, but now I do. And it's something that when my father retires or he's not with us anymore, I'm, I'll do my best to keep it like that and for it to continue, which is the color of our infrastructure. So my grandfather 
all the buildings used to be white and green. It's like a very bright lime green that honestly is not the most beautiful combination for a cigar <laughs> factory at all. But all of our buildings have that same color. And uh, my grandfather used to tell my father when, when he was a kid that green is a stands for hope. And that's why he paint, paint, paints everybody, everything with green. And we still do that. You know, our new factory in La Vega has the same white and green uh, scheme. Uh, in Salcedo, we're building a new one and it's the same. It's uh, white and green as well. Uh, so it's just a silly tradition that uh, you, when my father step out, I need to make sure it will remain the, the same forever. So when you say lime green and white, I mean, we're talking about even like brighter than the Buffalo 10 Connecticut because the Buffalo 10 Connecticut has white and green to it. Is, yeah. it even, it's, is it even? It's a little bit brighter. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, it really it's is. Pretty, it's yeah. pretty electric, huh? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so the so – the, so, Ram, I, again, I cannot thank you enough for tonight and all the amazing conversation we've had. And, uh, again, just learning so much more about you and your company and your family. Um, I just have a couple more questions, uh, and then we can, we, we can end tonight's conversation. But, again, I, I, want, I always take this time uh, during every conversation that I have each week to, to thank my guests because, listen, it's Sunday night. This is typically family time. And for you to sit down for on a late night, and has spent a couple hours with me, it really means the world to me. So thank you so much for spending some time with me. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you, man. Uh, I really, uh, I'm very happy to be a, a tonight with you, you know, enjoying a cigar and having a very good conversation. So I really appreciate that. Pleasure's mine. So one of the things I was interested about, I learned the last time I had the opportunity to interview you um, was that, you know, we, we talked a little bit ago about some of the new relationships that you've built with Gurkha and Miami Cigar, but you have, as we've talked about before, we, you've had many relationships globally uh, for cigars and different other tobacco products. Um, but one of the things that really took me aback was that you actually manufacture uh, Toscano style cigars for the country of Italy which is very famous for Toscano cigars specifically. Um, how long have you guys been doing that? How long have you guys been manufacturing Toscano cigars for, for Italy? Uh, it's been oof, probably five or six years already. We do a Toscano style. So about that cigar we do is called Il Colonial. Uh, when this project came to us, they were actually looking to make exactly a Toscano cigar. And, you know, I have tried different Toscanos. And when this project came, I started, you know, uh, trying them just to see what they were expecting. Uh, what I told them is like, you know, like if you want a, a cigar smoker to get this experience of, a, you know, authentic Italian cigar, you should make this cigar in Italy. You know, like, like <laughs> if you want a real Toscano, like uh, an authentic Toscano, you have to use a Kentucky de Benevento, which is a Kentucky a seed mm -hmm. grown in the Benevento region in Italy, fire cure it over there and make your cigars right, right at the spot. What I'm willing to do is 
a Dominican interpretation of uh, Toscano. And that's what we did. So uh, it has a very similar shape. It's not a hundred, like exactly as a Toscano. It's a little bit different. And it's a blended uh, product with fire cured tobacco, but also Dominican tobacco inside. Uh, it's quite an interesting cigar to smoke. So, so that brings about another question. We, I think we talked about this in a previous interview. There's, there's always, there's this, uh, this, this kind of age old understanding of cigars. And, and I've heard this from several people from manufacturers to consumers, to retailers, that when they ever go to these cigar manufacturing countries, like the Dominican, where you call home, for example, that when you smoke cigars down in the Dominican, they taste different. Some would obviously say that they taste better in the Dominican than they ever taste in the United States or that they taste in Italy or Sweden or wherever your cigars are shipped to and everything. Have you found that to be the case? I know you're very partial to your home country, but would you find that, did you find that it's, it's, they taste different or they taste maybe even better in your home country than they do in others? They do taste different. Uh, to be honest with you, I have also tried cigars that taste terrible in the Dominican, but when I smoke at some other places, it smokes unbelievably fine uh so yes there's probably the main reason is aging you know it takes time for you to transport the tobacco but uh, yes cigars taste completely different depending on where you are at for sure how how nervous does that make you as a manufacturer when you're putting together a cigar and it's your, like you said, some, some taste bad here and then they taste great other places or they taste great there. And then they taste different other places. Like how, how nerve wracking is that for you as a manufacturer to understand that, Hey, in someplace else, wherever these cigars end up, whether they're in Italy or other places in Europe or the United States or other places in South America and Central America, they're going to taste different. Like how God, that, that has to just, it freaks me out, man. <laughs> it, it really does. And when I travel, I tr usually travel with a bag of the cigars that I'm going to release, like new products, just to see. Just to see how different it, it, it will taste. It, but at the end, you know, like, I think it all depends even on, on the moisture in the, in the environment. So you need to let it rest in that particular uh, part of the world where you are at. Uh, and that's usually what I try to do. At the end, there's uh, that doesn't guarantee me that guarantees me that it's gonna be a, a great cigar just because I tried it in in Texas and it smoked great, you know. But at least I try, I guess. <laughs> have you ever have you ever like scrapped a project or 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 gone back to the drawing board because like you smoked it somewhere else and you're like we got we got to change this like. <laughs> It have never happened to me yet, but knock on see. wood, right? Knock on wood. Yeah, knock on wood. It's <laughs> yeah. good. I, I, I can't imagine that. And that, this is the first time I've ever asked anyone that question because I've heard that, and I, and I've certainly experienced it. I mean, I, I've been to to, to the Dominican. Uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, just because I would love to go other places, it, it's the only, it's the only other cigar manufacturing. It's the only cigar manufacturing I've been to. Uh, my experience was wonderful there, obviously, but the cigars were tremendous. Uh, I, um, but I mean, I would love to go to other countries as well. And I know I'll have that opportunity. Um, 
before long, hopefully, uh, hopefully when, uh, when, uh, everything kind of with this, uh, with, uh, with COVID kind of gets back to, uh, I hate going back to normal when the, the COVID situation <laughs> kind of gets resolved. Yes. Thank uh, you. <laughs> so, uh, we talked about that last time we had an interview. Yep, so, uh, I remember. uh, but the, uh, I, I, I just, I have, I, I mean, I, I have, I have such a tremendous amount of respect for what you do, uh, knowing that the, the challenges of making the cigar are with, I mean, I mean, we've discussed several of them tonight, but to know that even after you've done everything that you possibly can, and you've made this for all intents and purposes, a perfect product, right. And then, you know, once you ship it, you know, it could potentially be different and stuff. That's I'm, I'm wow. I mean, that's just an, that's just an incredible amount of pressure. I can't imagine what you guys go through. So um, again, Ram, thank you so much for sharing uh, your story and, and everything tonight. I really do appreciate it. I have one, one last question. It's always our last question of the evening, which is our curveball segment, which is always brought to you by Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust, fastballs or curveballs, it doesn't matter since the company's inception. Steve's been, Steve Sock has been knocking them out of the park six consecutive years in consensus top three. Yep. Uh, I looked it up and I even got fact checked by my partner on Cigar Coop Primetime Special Edition, Mr. Will Cooper. So tonight, uh, Ram, our curveball segment is this. Now, we kind of just talked about how you, for the last six years, you have been manufacturing Toscano style cigars. You've done the quote unquote celebrity cigar with the big poppy line. And you manufacture a whole different a lot of slew for a slew of products for again the global market, and the each one presents different challenges, and the you know there are a lot of manufacturers that won't do the challenging aspect of a Toscano cigar. There are certain manufacturers that wouldn't do a quote unquote celebrity cigar because it presents its different challenges and things like that. But you've taken all of these challenges head on. So my curveball question is this. Is there a challenge in the cigar manufacturing world that exists that you wouldn't take on? Oof. Okay. First, one can never say never, you know, because, you know, who knows? Uh, what will happen tomorrow but blending a cigar at least for me like we do some private labels with it but for our premium line with candela wrapper i think for me at least right now is is a no <laughs> like no 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 to candela i'm really sorry for the people that love that that tobacco uh, other than the little patches that uh, we, we put in the got your six you're not going to see a Candela cigar from El Artista anytime soon. Interesting. What, what is it about it that you're, you're just not a fan of the way it tastes or like, or is it just. I'm not a fan of the way it tastes. I'm not a fan of the way you have to process the tobacco in the factory. And I'm not a fan of blending a cigar with Candela. It's just like when I smoke a cigar with Candela, I just, that, bitterness particular sharp bitterness it has stayed with me the whole day and and mm-hmm. it, for me it's just hard you know 
and even more like like on my on our premium line where we always uh, like you know i in order for me to go out there and sell it i need to feel sure about it you know of course and if it's if if it's something that i don't feel it, it will be very hard so um but again you know who knows who knows maybe ramming when 10 years from now will be crazy about candela tobacco who knows <laughs> But I, I don't see that in the near future. I I have I have no doubt that you would make a fantastic cigar. And that's not me blowing smoke at you, uh, Ram. I've I mean, from top to bottom, I've been I've been really surprised and thoroughly impressed uh, from the very beginning, from the very first cigar that I smoked from you, which was the Big Poppy. And as I've gotten to explore these other brands, uh, I just I'm gaining more and more appreciation for them. And this last rent, this last new one that I have smoked from you, um, the Buffalo 10 Connecticut is just absolutely, absolutely impressed with everything that you guys have done. This is, uh, these are cigars that if you haven't tried them for all, my audience that's listening, seek out your retailer, ask them to bring out L- LRTs to in. I'm, I'm giving you my, my, my vote of confidence. I don't think I've ever done this on this show. Um, <laughs> um, I've talked about cigars that I like and everything, but I don't think I've ever advocated for some people to go to their retail. They need to go to the retailer and tell them to bring LRTs in because these are, these are cigars that you're, that they just won't disappoint. They're fantastic. Well, thank you. Thank you very much Brett, for real. Well, it's my pleasure. And Ram, so thank you for every, thank you to you. Thank you to our audience for staying up late with us as always. Really do appreciate everyone's all of their likes, shares, and comments. You can uh, check us out on uh, every Sunday, uh, except for next Sunday. We're going to be taking a Sunday off. Uh, but every Sunday at 9.30 Central, 10.30 Eastern, um, we always do this show and we bring in some fantastic guests. You can check out our Facebook page for uh, upcoming guests as well. You can also check us out on YouTube. El Fumar is also the name of the channel there. Hit the subscribe button, of course. And if you're listening to us, Later on, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can listen to us on Apple Play, uh, excuse me, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure you hit that download and subscribe and review button as well. If you already are a subscriber, hey, do me a quick favor. Just hit the unsubscribe button real quick. But please, please don't forget to hit the resubscribe because that really helps my numbers. And that allows me to continue to bring great guests like Mr. Ram Rodriguez onto the show. So thank you to everyone who tuned in tonight. It is my pleasure to sit down with El Artista's Ram Rodriguez, um, a true, uh, true commending member of the Dominican family and what your family has done uh, for this industry. Uh, can't thank you enough, Ram. So uh, I really, one more time, I really appreciate you tonight and appreciate what you do for El Artista. It's, uh, it's, it's tremendous. Well, thank you very much for having me in there. Uh, I'm very happy to be here with you tonight. And thank you to everybody for supporting our brands and for smoking El Artista. And one quick nod to Kevin Newman, who helped put this interview together tonight. want to thank him as well. You're a right-hand man for uh, in his, the national sales manager for El Artista Cigars. Helped us tonight put this together. Thank you to Kevin. Thank you to all of you, everyone out there. For everyone out there, this is our 181st take live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studios of Euless, Texas. I'm Barry Duplessis. He's Ram Rodriguez. And guess what, everybody? We'll see you next time.